This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Tom Opperman and Jacob Reck coming at you here on the Steelers Standard. Uh, past couple episodes, talked a lot of Steelers football. So if you are more into that, head over to Steelers.com, check out the podcast page, click on Steelers Standard, and give them a listen. We're going a little bit around the NFL in this edition and i think we got to start with travis Etienne, the running back of the jacksonville jaguars the pick right directly after Najee harris is out for the entire season with an injury and brutal blow to the jaguars backfield maybe one that they can weather though in a strange way because of the man they have at number two james robinson had a thousand yards rushing in his rookie season last year but Man, Steelers Nation, this even though it's it's just completely random when players get hurt or what players get hurt, it, it kind of feels like this hit a little close to home in a way because it's the other running back in the class. Etienne was a guy that people thought the Steelers might take themselves. If Najee Harris wasn't been there taken before twenty four, it easily could have been him. Travis Etienne, yeah. And now he's done for the entire season and that's what you know, we've all been holding our breaths at Najee Harris, hurtling everybody on God's green earth. He didn't do that in the Lions game, thank God. But his reckless style of play is such a good thing, but it's a bad thing in the preseason. You worry about him getting injured. But it happens to Etienne, brutal blow to the Jaguars. And, man, that franchise. I guess if one of your first-round picks were to go down for the year, you're happy it wasn't the number one overall one, but still. Franchise just can't catch a break. That is just such a down-in-the-dumps organization there. They still have James Robinson, so yeah. I can't feel too bad for them. But, but I, I don't know if you saw – I didn't watch it live. If you saw any highlights or I guess you could call them lowlights from the Jags game against the Saints on Monday night, it looked bad. Oh, my God. Trevor Lawrence was getting murdered. Yeah, it looked really bad. Yeah, it's not going to go well in Jacksonville. Urban Meyer is going to be a bad coach. I, I think Urban Meyer is going to be a bad coach, and – this is just another blow, as you said. It, it just gets worse for this already horrible team. And I, I, I was talking to my friends, and I had said, I know they went one and fifteen last year, but it's possible they could be worse. Maybe not via the record, but they could look worse than they did last year. Oof, I don't know. That's gonna be tough. I don't think Lar. You- Burrow entered into Cincinnati last year in a bad situation with a bad team. I think Lawrence's offensive line is going to be even worse than the Cincinnati Bengals' offensive line was last year. And we all know how Joe Burrow's season ended last season. So thoughts and prayers out to Trevor Lawrence to get through this year. You really hope that this isn't a case where you have like a Marinovich almost, where it's a phenom product. This would be even more extreme than Todd Marinovich, but a phenom comes into the league and is just ruined by the franchise that drafts him. I don't know if that's possible here because I think Trevor Lawrence is just so good that he can overcome any bad coaching or or bad teammates around him. But, man, if there's any perfect storm scenario, it might be the Jacksonville Jaguars, and it might be Urban Meyer being your head coach. Yeah, it's just bad. I I wouldn't want Urban Meyer as my head coach, Tom. That's, That's for damn sure. No, there's a long list of coaches in the NFL, too, that have tried to make the jump from college to the NFL and just haven't panned out, and he seems to be going down all the wrong 
uh, pass. It, what do you do with a guy like Trevor Lawrence if you know you're going to be that bad? Like, if you were a legitimate NFL coach, do you maybe not play him this year just because you know how bad your team's going to be? I think if that's you're, tough to explain I think to the if fan base. If you're Urban Meyer too, I feel like Urban kind of knows his leash is a little short, and the only way he can keep a job is with putting the best quarterback out there. And I mean, he's gone out there and said it, it's a quarterback battle between Lawrence and Minshew. But I think if you're trying to save your job as as Urban Meyer, the best case for you to do that is to go out there and, and, and see what you can produce with Trevor Lawrence. Because any coach can can try to make the most out of a Garner Minshew, but you gotta separate yourself with really allowing Trevor Lawrence to expand his game and become this next great quarterback. Not all not all coaches can do that sticking with the running backs big trade coming down the wire this morning the la rams sent a conditional fifth round and a conditional sixth round pick to the new england patriots for running back sony michelle you all are aware i'm sure that the rams are trying to replace cam Akers, their starting running back who went out for the season earlier in training camp so they make this trade for sony michelle basically giving up nothing for him Although every time Belichick does this, I think he's got something up his sleeve. Just It's just my cynical nature. That man is an evil genius over there in New England. But maybe Sony Michelle just fell off of his depth chart, fell off of his plans at running back, and he saw a team in the Rams that needs some help at that position and said, yeah, I'll take a couple more draft picks in my, my quiver instead of Sony Michelle being my number three running back on my roster. So ships him to L.A. I think it's a really good move for L.A. I saw Mina Kimes say that he fits – the zone running scheme that they want to run with Cam Akers more uh, than I'm blanking on his name now, the the backup now Henderson Daryl Henderson. Henderson. He fits that, thumb, but he's got this thumb injury. So they're in a dire strait there in, in LA as far as the backfield is concerned. Sony Michelle, I don't know how much of an improvement that really is. I guess it's just a it's good just more, stop gap. As yeah, far I think as it's also a hole. It's also. Daryl Henderson, I don't know how detrimental this injury will be, his thumb injury. Well, it's a thumb, so you hope it's not too, too bad. Maybe a week or two or something like that. I mean, if you can't hold on to the ball. Ball security is job security. Yeah. So I think Sony Michelle is prop not – it's tough because Sony Michelle was a high draft pick. I mean, he was, I think, the, the Patriots' number one or number two draft pick a, a couple years ago, the same year that, that Nick Chubb came out of Georgia – uh, they were teammates there. They were a really good uh, running back duo. And I think everyone thought Sonny Michelle was the better running back coming out of Georgia, not Nick Chubb. And we've seen how that's gone in the pro career or, or for their pro careers. But I think it's just a little more of – because I don't know the other guys who were on that team. Were you were, were you able to find their names? It's uh, I couldn't even tell you. No. So I, I think it's good to have a guy like Sonny Michelle to kind of pair with a guy like Daryl Henderson. I think there's a, a lot of potential still in a player with like of Sonny Michelle's nature. I mean, lest you forget, three three years ago, yeah, three years ago, he scored the only touchdown in a Rams versus Patriots Super Bowl that was played. And Sony, was that Sonny Michelle yeah, who scored the Gronk, that? Uh, play leading him to like the two yard line, and then Sonny Michelle was the running back. I remember the Gronk in. catch. I don't remember the because touchdown. that's the play that mattered. Yeah. that's the one that the the two yard vulture of a touchdown from Sonny Michelle gets forgotten, obviously, but he was the one that scored. Now he finds himself playing for the team that he beat in that Super Bowl. Uh, listen. I think that this is a guy, 
uh, coming out of Georgia, I thought he was going to be a legitimate star in the yeah, NFL. Yeah, everyone did. I thought he was a Over steal Nick for Chubb. the Patriots. I thought he was a great pick for them. I remember when that happened, I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like, obviously back then having Tom Brady, it's like they're going to get the best running back in this draft class now, and they have Tom Brady to boot. Ended up winning a Super Bowl shortly thereafter, picking Sony Michelle, having to do more with the Tom Brady part of things than the Sony Michelle part of things, obviously. But he was a contributor on these Patriot teams for the past couple of years. And, you know, I don't think it's that far fetched to see him thrive in a new environment. And I think you're going from complete polar opposite kind of locker room vibes. I mean, I think Belichick runs it like the Marines. And I think McVeigh is a much more players, coach, you know, music in the locker rooms, things like that. So maybe you see a little bit of a renaissance from a Sonny Michelle playing I don't know about in this that, team. Because I think as soon as Cam Akers comes back, it's Cam Akers' job. Oh, I agree with that. But that ain't happening this year. No, it's not. But I, again, I don't and they think they have Sony Super Bowl Michelle, aspirations this year. I don't think Sony Michelle is going to make an impact that's going to challenge Cam Akers' starting job next year. When but he, does he could back. make enough of an impact to now all of a sudden the Rams have a two-headed monster it's in, fair. in L.A. I think the potential is still there for Michelle. And it's I think just, he's it's not a, for, he's I gonna, mean, the offense is going to be much better. I mean, McVay runs, no offense to McDaniels and the great offenses that he's had in, in New England. McVay's a better offensive coordinator. McVay's going to scheme things open for Michelle and use I mean, him a lot better. That year they went to the Super Bowl, they were arguably, maybe other than the Chiefs, the most exciting team to watch on offense. And they only scored three points. Oh, yeah. Belichick I, is such I, an I, evil genius. That's just Belichick being Belichick. But. I do think it's going to be kind of a culture shock for Sony Michelle. Anytime you're drafted by the Patriots and then you get traded elsewhere, it's going to be a culture. As long as it's I agree in the Belichick era, it's a culture shock because you think this is what the pros are like. You you you're in college and it's you know it's a bunch of young guys just having fun and, and trying to win a national championship, and then you go to the pros and you say, okay, so this is for real. And but if you get drafted by the Patriots, he goes, oh, this is for real, for real. And then you get traded, and then it's kind of like the college thing again, where, you, as you said, music in the locker rooms, McVeigh trying to calculate or, or or just come up with all these really inclusive playbooks. It, it, it's, it's definitely different across the NFL. or The Patriots are different from probably all 31 other franchises. You could say all 32 franchises are, are different, but things are just run differently. In New England, I'd like to say one more thing about Belichick. Let's call it for what it is. He's a great GM when it comes to free agency. He goes out and gets guys. He's like, not the best GM when he, it comes to retaining he, talent and or or in the draft. Yeah, I mean Gronk, of course, was a great pick. I mean, and Hernandez that year too. That was like the best tight end draft of all time, maybe. Yeah, and then Hernandez. We don't know about that part. No, but Gronk. I mean, you don't even have to include Hernandez. Gronk alone is one of the greatest picks that Bel- probably the greatest pick Belichick can hang on his head as a GM, if he wants to make a Hall of Fame case for being a GM. He's not. He's not, no. But other than that, I really couldn't tell you many other guys that he's gotten in the draft. And now, now, as you said, Sonny Michel was what you were thinking was, damn it, it's a steal by the Patriots. It's not fair. The the best team just keep getting better. That wasn't the case here. Just another, I I just like to throw it out there. If, If I get any opportunity to kind of, criticize Bill Belichick with substance and not just biased opinion being from Pittsburgh, I'm going to do it. And I, I, I think this is just another case you can make to say that he's just not the best 
draft scout. He's there's more weaknesses to his GM game as well, and one of them is letting players go when they still have a lot more tread on the tire. I'm not saying that Sonny Michelle is in that category. He could be. He could play himself into that category. But he traded Richard Seymour to the Raiders way back when, and Richard Seymour dominated in Oakland for three, four years after that. Chandler Jones is still one of the best pass rushers in football out in Arizona. Yeah, they'd like to get that You'd guy think now. that that guy would be useful in New England all this time, so he's definitely not without his fair share of blemishes on his resume, and Sonny Michel could potentially play himself into being another one of those blemishes as he finds himself in L.A. now. One quarterback battle that I don't think is getting any play because I think the team that it's happening on is just so irrelevant in a lot of people's minds. But in Denver, it might be the closest battle as far as these two guys are carbon copies of each other right now. Bridgewater and Drew Locke have played really well in both of their preseason appearances. Locke started the first one and Bridgewater came in in relief and they flipped roles in the next one. Fangio came out and said that they have two quarterbacks that they know they can go win with. What's that old adage, though? If you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one quarterback. And I'm interested to see who they go with here. I lean towards Drew Locke. I think he's got a little more zip on that arm. I think he's got a cannon. And I think he's got a little bit of that effort kind of attitude. I like his his style. He seems like kind of a, a loose kind of guy, maybe a gunslinger kind of throwback. I could see John Elway identifying with that a lot. Uh, but then again, if they roll Teddy Bridgewater out week one, I'm not going to sit here and criticize them because – Teddy's been a more proven winner than Drew Locke has in his career in the NFL. By far. I mean, Teddy, yeah. let's not forget when Drew Brees went down with that Six injury. The, the same, I think it was 5-0, and oh, but yeah, I mean, didn't, lose, credit, a, didn't lose a single game. I mean, it was the same year that Ben Roethlisberger was out for the season, but luckily for the Saints, it was only for five games that Drew Brees was out. But and yeah. they didn't have Duck. They had Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> right, And but it's even so, I mean— you don't have the confidence in Teddy Bridgewater that you do in Drew Brees. Of course not. But Teddy Br- didn't skip a beat. It's as if Drew Brees never went down because they were fine. They didn't lose a single game with without him. So, And then his time in Minnesota was, I think, pretty well he spent. He made the playoffs in Minnesota. I think was his it, second was season. It, was it the year? Was he the quarterback or was Kirk Cousins the quarterback for the Minneapolis Miracle? That was uh, Case Keenum. Was that Keith Keenum? That was Case Keenum. Was the Case Keenum, you son of a bitch, man. Teddy he, Bridgewater. He just come in there and just steal the thunder from both of these guys. Teddy Bridgewater went to the playoffs one, like, what, his second or third year. Was I think it the he year? He got beat by the Packers in the first round. I don't know. Who was the quarterback that, in Minnesota the year where they missed that field goal I against think that Seattle? was Christian Ponder. Oh, my God. <laughs> See, just dude, a, dude, the Vikings make the playoffs then, with some weird quarterbacks. Okay, so I was just going to make that point, too. A, they make the quarter. they have this huge carousel of quarterbacks, but the they Vikings still stay good. Like the Vikings still are a competitive team. I mean, they had like a, a, a down year, maybe last year. And then right. a couple of years ago, I think they won. No, like, that's the thing with them. They're down one or two years and then they're back. Like they're a very good. But it's with a different quarterback. Yeah. It's with a different quarterback every time. So yeah, I mean, getting back to the point, Teddy obviously has more starting experience. He didn't really get a lot of that in Carolina last year. Right. I don't think he, played much or even played very well while he was available to them in Carolina. But in turn, if you want to go with the experience, you have to go Teddy. But I mean, you started this time by saying they're common copies of each other. So I really don't know who has the edge here. You, you say drew locks kind of had this, not a chip on a shoulder, but kind of a screw it kind of attitude. He's got a swagger, man. Got a swag. Uh, got, you Teddy said started more, 15 games in Carolina, by the way, last year with four and 11. Four and eleven. I mean, seventy percent completion percentage, though. Yeah, not bad. He didn't have his biggest weapon all year, McCaffrey. 
Right, that exactly. Hurts. So that could have been very different if he did. Uh, and the Pro Bowler, though, man, 2015 yeah. for the Vikings. I mean, but you 11 said, and five record as a starter that year for Minnesota, the year he went to the playoffs. You That's said, pedigree. Yeah, absolutely. But you said Drew Locke also has more zip on the ball than Teddy does. I really don't know. I haven't watched enough of, out of either of these guys to really know who's the better quarterback, traditional. But I think what separates Teddy in terms of being carbon copies of each other is Teddy's got a little more speed to him. Teddy's kind of not been a Cam Newton or Lamar Jackson kind of guy, but he's been a mobile quarterback. I mean, that's that's been an asset to his game is he can escape from the pocket with with some ease. The Broncos are circling around, though, one of the most dangerous things you can circle around in football, and that's being stuck in quarterback purgatory. The Bengals were stuck in quarterback purgatory for years. The Ravens stuck in quarterback purgatory after Joe Flacco fell off after the MVP. You don't want to hit your wagon to these guys that are going to be 15, 14, 13 best in the league because you can't cut them. you got to sign them eventually mm-hmm. because they're going to keep you competitive every single year. Yeah, they might get you into the playoffs, but no one is sitting there and thinking Drew Locke is going to get the Broncos over the hump and into the Super no. Bowl. No one thought that of Andy Dalton. Everybody knew when the Bengals were on those runs with Dalton that even though well, they that's never ended up getting that's out of the first fair. round. That's not Andy Dalton's fault. Fault. That's that's the Bengals' fault. It's, when you when if Andy Dalton can't, comes in with AJ Green at his young age and goes to any other not any other but a lot of other franchises who were without a quarterback and a stud receiver, I think they could have done a lot more than they did in Cincinnati. Andy Dalton's come mid. on, He's mid. He's a mid quarterback, and that's I think where Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater are going to wind up too. Broncos have a really good defense too this year, especially if everybody right. stays healthy. Problem is, they're probably the third best team in the division, even if everything breaks their way, because the Chargers are a team on the meteoric rise, and the Chiefs are probably the best team in football. Meteoric still. rise? I think so. I think they're going to be eleven win team this year potentially. Oh, you're saying meteor? I thought you were saying mediocre. No, meteoric rise, like okay. a meteor. Got it. Yes, got English. It, got English it. is hard, Jacob. Sometimes, but. That's why I think it's tough for the Broncos because even if Drew Locke plays well or Teddy plays well, I mean, their ceiling is probably not that high just because their division is tough. And even the Raiders are going to be a team that's competitive to play against. But I think the Broncos, I think you've alluded to this previous episodes too, they're not a team that you want to say will make the playoffs, but they're definitely a team that will probably turn some heads more. So they could maybe float pull around. off a Chargers upset throughout the season, something like that, give the Chiefs a tough time in a game. It's a team that could shape up being competitive. Like I said, both these quarterbacks who are fighting for the job, it's almost the most intriguing battle just because they're so similar in that they're not terrible quarterbacks, but they're not great world-beater quarterbacks either. They're both just like very average quarterbacks right now in the NFL. They could float around a 7-10 and 10 record. 8-9 is pushing it maybe. But stay in the hunt for a yeah. little bit. And then another thing in terms of their quarterbacks, you also don't have the confidence in, in John Elway to go out and get one in the in the draft because – his entire thing when he's since he's taken over that position is he, he he's gone to the quarterbacks in the draft so many times and none of them have really panned out. The only guy that's panned out who was a non-original Bronco who was brought in under the John Elway era was Peyton Manning. One quarterback I saw them talking about today on Good Morning Football was Lamar Jackson and We've heard this narrative ever since his rookie season in the NFL. The whole offseason kind of circles around 
oh, everybody in the NFL has figured out Lamar. You know, you heard that after he came in relief from Flacco's rookie year, ripped off so many straight wins, got the Ravens to the playoffs that year, only to lose in the first round. Then the offseason, all you heard was, well, now all the film's out on Lamar. The tape's out. Teams are going to know how to handle him. It, it, it's going to be a different story come next year. Okay, next year he won the MVP unanimously. So something obviously was not figured out that year. But then the year after that, it was, okay, now we got all the tape we need. There's no more tricks in the bag. We're going to figure out how to stop this guy. He's going to run into the wall now. You know, Defenses are going to figure him out. Then he ends up going to the playoffs and gets his first playoff win under his belt last year. So, again, we see that same narrative getting off the ground in what's his fourth straight offseason of, well, teams have figured out Lamar Jackson now. You know, this is over. Defenses know it's on film. Lamar has even responded to that himself, and it's just it's absolutely asinine, I think, to continue this trend over and over again because now we're just playing into the thing where, what, are we going to say that for 12 straight off-seasons and then in his 13th year in the league when he finally loses a step, people are going to say, ah, told you, defenses were going to figure that guy out eventually. That guy's nothing but a gimmick player. The hate that Lamar Jackson gets makes me so sick. And he should be one of my most hated players in football because he plays on the Steelers' arch rival as their quarterback, and he's great. I should hate that guy, but I can't because people hate him for the wrong reasons, and they think he's just some running back playing the position. Listen, he's the most dynamic quarterback we've ever seen play the game of football. He's the best player on on the field every time he touches the ball. You're forgetting about the guy in Kansas City. Come on. No, Lamar's more dynamic than him. Lamar's faster than him he runs for 150 yards a game he can throw the ball decently well yeah he's but more he's not making he's not making the no look no, passes no, he's that more dynamic he's than not Mahomes. he's not in the super bowl nope. making a pass when he's parallel to the ground and putting it right on the numbers in the end zone how many times does mahomes run for 150 yards i'm talking about dynamic all-around player we've never seen that in this position the closest comparison is michael vick and lamar jackson's better than michael vick you're Whoa. saying you're saying that he is better than Michael Vick. You're saying that defenses are going to figure you out eventually. Defenses will figure out Lamar Jackson's. And I say to you, sir, that it is impossible to figure out Lamar Jackson because he is just too damn good to figure out. Oh, he's going to run the ball? Congratulations. We've all known that for four years. He still shoves it down your throat because he's faster than anybody and he's more agile than anybody you can throw at him defensively. Well, <sighs> whew. wow. I get better mad than Michael when people Vick. say this I mean, about Lamar. Better than Michael Vick, I get. I mean, he won the MVP, so I'll, I'll give him credit for that. Of course, you cannot take that away. I don't think Mike Vick. Did Mike Vick even ever come close to winning an MVP? I don't care. He never won it. He never. That's okay. But I'm trying to even make the point. Furthermore, is the fact that he didn't come close. He was never a real contender for that. But in terms of figuring him out, I mean, you would think by now. If you were so confident that teams could figure him out, they would have figured him out. And the Ravens have made the playoffs with Lamar Jackson starting the season, right? Because the the year he was a rookie and he came in and he had to take over, that didn't happen. He right? made the playoffs. His rookie year? Yep, they took him to the playoffs that year. And he what? came in for Flacco. They lost to the Chargers in the first round. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Excuse you. Yeah. I kind of do remember that. But... Okay, well, that that negates the point I was trying to make. He's made the playoffs every year that he's been on the team. And I, I, really quickly, too, I, I'd like to talk about how uh, you don't hate him at all. I really don't hate him either, and I hate the Ravens with a burning passion. I really do. I hate to be that biased against them. But, you know, I hated Joe Flacco 
I mean, yeah. there was there was no way around it. I hated that guy. And I don't hate Lamar Jackson in any way because I respect his game so much. I think it's exciting to watch. It sucks that he's on the Ravens. <clears throat> I would obviously love it if he weren't on the Ravens, if he were on some NFC team that I didn't have to pay attention to every week because the Steelers are always competing with uh, with the Ravens to, to take over the N- the AFC North, rather. Um, but in terms of figuring him out, i just like to say... Yes, if I agree, people hate him for all the wrong reasons, Tom. And if you were to figure him out, you would have figured him out by now. But there's one team, Tom. There's one team out there that I have to say has figured him out. You're okay? right. And that's the team in the Steel City, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Lamar Jackson, let me just point this out there. Let me just put this out there, okay? And up until, because he didn't play the game against the Steelers that was supposed to happen on Thanksgiving Day, right? It right. was postponed because he got COVID and everyone else got COVID. So up until the game or including the game of which he started earlier in the season of which the Steelers had that great second half comeback effort against Lamar Jackson uh, against the Steelers, three touchdowns, five interceptions against all other teams, 45 touchdowns, five interceptions sacks per game against the Steelers, four and a half average against all other teams, 1.7 average turnovers against the Steelers, seven, Turnovers, turnovers against all other teams, 8. Passer rating, 57.8 against Pittsburgh, 112.4 against all other teams. So if there's one team who's figuring them out, it's Keith Butler, that defense, Mike Tomlin of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Agreed. They play him the best, and they still ran for, like, what, 250 yards against the Steelers in one of the games? Did they lose that, that game? In? No, they, the, the Ravens lost the that Ravens game. The Ravens lost they that did. game. That's what I'm trying to but say. But my point is, figuring him out, isn't what all these people want it to be. They want it to be like, oh, he's completely shut down. He can't do anything. You don't do that to great players. What the Keith Butler and the Steelers do, they make him throw the ball into some questionable situations. They take advantage of his sketchiness in his passing game, and they force turnovers against him, and that's the best way to go about it because you're not going to stop them from running you over. They're the most prolific running offense in the history of the NFL for the past couple of seasons. Broke the record for most rushing yards in an NFL season just two years ago. So you kind of just kind of let them get that and just beat them the other ways. And like you said, the Steelers do that better than any other team really in the NFL right now. But I think Lamar, he's definitely in the MVP race. I think he's a top 10 quarterback in the NFL as it stands right now, getting closer to top five. And just a guy like it's the most important position in football. And he's probably he's top five. I think he's probably six or seven right now. Who's just really quickly? Mahomes, Mahomes, Rodgers, Brady, Brady, Josh Allen, Josh Allen. Maybe he's five. I think maybe he's five. Maybe he's five. Unless are we forgetting someone? Stafford, Ben Roethlisberger, Ben Roethlisberger. After that Detroit Lions game, I think Um, Ben Roethlisberger might have a case. No, okay, so he's five, six. He's right there, and and I think that that's where he belongs. But for some reason, people just don't want to give him that credit. We do have to mention before we wrap things up here, though, the things he needs to improve, and mm-hmm. that's his passing game. And that's what you illustrated with Keith Butler and the Steelers. They take advantage of that. They turn him over all the time. Seven turnovers yeah. compared to eight two, to all their teams. He, he won his first playoff game last year, but he threw two interceptions and no touchdowns in both of those playoff games. He had a 
crucial interception against the Bills. Was going to probably win that game if he punches that ball in the end zone. Instead, boom, pick six. Bills go all the way down the field. But how is it possible that everyone watching that game saw that looming Buffalo defender in Lamar Jackson? Exactly. So that's the stuff that you scratch your head about. And listen, I've been an adamant defender in the past 10 minutes of Lamar, but that's the one thing he has to work on is his ability to throw the football and his ability to, you know, that's a situation where, buddy, tuck it and run. Like, that's where you make your bread and butter, and you're only 10 yards out of the end zone. I mean, try to make a couple guys miss and get in there. You don't need to force the ball into that window at all. Uh, just I'm very interested to see if he takes any step forward in his passing game because I think that's the biggest problem with him right now. It doesn't help, too, that there's no one to throw to. Rashad Bateman is now yeah. hurt. Yeah. Their, their, their number one pick this year, who was going to be their guy, he gets hurt. I mean – I don't think Hollywood Brown is a dude. I think mm-hmm. he's a number two or a number three receiver that's more of a one-trick pony. So they need to get some help for Lamar in, in Baltimore. No Mark question. Andrews can only do so much. Can only do so much. No question about that. That's going to do it for this episode of the Steelers Standard. Thanks, f- as always, for listening. Preseason football coming up Friday against the Carolina Panthers, and then we will be back to break that all down for you. If you want to catch up on our older episodes or just give these ones a repeat, go to Steelers.com, find the podcast page, and click on Steelers Standard. All of our episodes live there. For Jacob Brecht, I'm Tom Opperman. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.